Hilton, we want you to come tonight, and I want you just to take your liberty, and uh, I want you to preach tonight. I've been praying for you today. I mean that. I really have. I want you just to obey God. Don't preach like you heard me preach yesterday. You're not quite old enough to handle that yet, but, but obey the Holy Ghost, all right? We love you. God bless you. Preach to me. Praise the Lord, everybody. I'm so happy I came to church tonight. What a good spirit of the Lord is in this house. Uh, I especially appreciate Brother Nelson's song selections. He's such a good worship leader. I'm telling you, honestly, that's right. I wasn't singling anybody else out, but I just, tonight, there's no way you can make it through a worship service at Truth Church. Your brother Nelson's up here and um, and not smile, not be joyful about what you're doing. He just kind of has a way of letting you recognize what, what time it is without even saying it. And you have to just tilt your head up towards heaven and lift your hands and thank him for the presence of the Lord. There's just there's something about it. So thank you, Brother Nelson. And, um, and I, there's a lot going on tonight, so you just have to give me a few moments here. But um, before I forget, I don't want to forget because this is a very important thing, but I appreciate Pastor asking me to uh, speak tonight. We have a very capable minister sitting right there, capable minister sitting right there, right there, right there, right there, right there. So you guys understand how intimidating it is to stand up here with the, you know, all that going on. And... Um, especially when you haven't done it for a little while. <laughs> and I appreciate Pastor allowing me to recover from my last surgery. And, um, I, and I and do appreciate you allowing me to speak tonight, Pastor. I do want to share with you all what the Lord laid on my heart a couple of nights ago. But I want to point out something Pastor, um, Pastor mentioned about Brother Jaheim and Jerome and, and Brother Kaiser. I will add him to that group. Friday night, these boys got a hold of what Pastor preached on Tuesday night. And um, they came here and spent not an hour, not two hours. We were here from 12 a.m. to 5.30 a.m. praying, not sleeping. Not one of them fell asleep. And I want you guys to understand the caliber of young men that are up and coming in this church. We've got some good young men that have a burden and have a passion to please God. And I'm thinking, I don't know what I would do, Brother Jaheim and Jerome, but I'm so privileged to serve God right beside you guys. Maybe one of these days I'll be as rock solid. Is that, forgive me, I'm just a crybaby, I guess. But, um, and um, so I'm just pleased to be in this church. There's a lot of good things going on. I also don't want to neglect to honor Sister Reagan. She's been a wonderful example for me all of my life. And she is truly a Christian and a working Christian at that. One that knows how to get in there. She was one at the front of the pack on Saturday. And I'm so thankful for her. Happy birthday, Sister Regan. And um, 
I haven't seen this guy in a little while. I saw him the other night, didn't get really a chance to say anything, but love and appreciate you. God's honoring the sacrifices that he's making down in Lynn Valley, and we're praying for Pastor Hilton and that church. God's doing great things in Kansas City, and you're a part of it. You're not just a, just a small player, but you look around, and uh, whatever God's going to do, he's got to use us. Whatever he's going to do, he chose to use vessels. I know that he can just, you know, perform miracles and things, but he's made up his mind that he's using us. And um, that's why you're here, because he needs people. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you stand with me tonight? Open them to 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 8 through 9. I don't know how long this will be. Pastor told me one time not to come to the pulpit with less than five pages of notes. And I've got, yes, sir. That's because I was preaching too short. I only preached for like 15 minutes. And then everybody would be like, wow, we're going to have pizza a little earlier than normal. That Yes, that's why. And so uh, tonight, sorry, Pastor, but I cut bare minimums. I'm like just over five pages. But we got five pages. So we're here. I wasn't coming out of that office till I had five pages. <laughs> Anyway, 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 8 through 9. I do believe the Lord spoke to me, and um, I just want to share that with you guys. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 8 says, And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink, and carried thence silver and gold and uh, raiment, and went and hid it and came again. And entered into another tent and carried thence also. I would have guessed silver and gold and raiment, the same stuff they just got out of the other one. Something like it at least. And then they went and hid that. And they said one to another, once they got done burying everything, they said, we do not well. Do not well. This day is a day of good tidings. And we hold our peace. We buried this thing. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, that we may go and tell the king's household. So what happens if after we buried this and held our peace, what happens if something happens to us? And um, you'll understand more while they're saying that in just a minute. And if you already know the story, then you'll un- you already understand. But... They, they, they were concerned not only about themselves with what they had. At first, Pastor, they just started taking it and consuming it and burying it and doing. But then they realized there's something more going on. I'm a part of something bigger. I've got a responsibility now. I've got something on my shoulders, and I can't just do what I normally would do with this kind of stuff. I've never had gold like this. I've never had silver like this. I've never had raiment like this. And so, Sister Goff, I'm not just going to put it in the ground and forget about it. But I'm going to take it back to the king's house, and I'm going to tell somebody. Amen. Why don't you lay down your Bibles and ask the Lord to help us. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity, God, to be in your house, to feel the power of the Holy Ghost that is already moving in this place. Pray that you would give me an ear to hear, a mind to understand, a heart and attitude. Receive and obey your word. I pray that you would bless every hearer. 
God, I pray that you would give me grace. I say the word. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, come on. Why don't we just magnify the Lord? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we praise you, Jesus. We praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, there's something going on in this service tonight. Hallelujah. There's something going on in this place. You don't have to leave this house the same way that you came. God can reach down in your situation and provide a healing, provide mercy, provide deliverance, whatever you need tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. Man, I want to preach on this subject tonight. Well done. Amen. Well done. And um, want to uh, say I'm, before we get started, Brother Josh, I'm not talking about steak. We don't believe in that junk. No well done steak. Amen. But, but we are talking about the ultimate destination of our souls. Hallelujah. And uh, anyway, I mean, the city of Samaria is the setting of the passage of Scripture that we read or near there. And um, I just want to catch you up kind of where we are in this passage of Scripture before I get to where we're going, if that's okay. And, uh, there was a, and at this time, the city of Samaria was not filled with a bunch of mixtures or of other nations, but right in, at this period of time, I'm sure there was some other nations in that area before, but at this point, it was part of the northern kingdom of Israel. These are the people of God. And the king at the time was the son of Ahab. If you know, you probably can recognize the name Ahab. And his name was Jehoram, or in other places in the scriptures, they refer to him as Joram. And um, Jehoram, the Bible says, still performed the sins of Jeroboam, which was basically worshiping um, a false god, a Baal. And, um, and he was a little bit better than daddy Ahab. A little bit better than him, but not much better than Ahab. And um, never really got rid of the stuff that was going on with Jeroboam. And um, Jehoram, Jehoshaphat, which was the neighboring king in the king of, kingdom of Judah and the king of Edom, had previously fought um, and had victory over the nation of Moab. And um, as I read through this portion of the history of the people of God, I recognize that those kings during that time really took advantage of the office of the prophet. It wasn't, wasn't that they were interested in the leadership from that man who God had placed over them, but they, they only wanted him to help them in accomplishing victories and, and only wanted that kind of man to be there so that they would have an edge on the enemy. It wasn't interested in any kind of correcting the sin problem over here or this lifestyle over here or the kind of social, uh, the, 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 the system that they had in place. That wasn't their interest. The only interest that they had in the prophet of God was so that they could achieve victory in whatever battle that they were facing, in whatever system. And so in that particular situation, they called on Elisha, the son, uh, Elisha, who had succeeded uh, the prophet Elijah, and, uh, 
And Elisha responded to these three kings and said, the only reason I'm even looking at you guys right now is because of Jehoshaphat, because I regard him. He literally said, the only reason I'm looking at you. In other words, I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for this man. But I'm going to be here, amen, and I'm going to help you because a man, amen, was submitted to God's authority and trying to do what was right. And I want to tell somebody just a moment here, I mean, that it's important as children of God that we perform what we know is right, that we don't try to cut corners. Hallelujah. That's why I'm so proud of some of these young men that came here on Friday night. Because we weren't cutting corners. We were here to do the work of God. We were here. Pastor preached about Zion travailing. And the Lord put on us a burden to come to the house of God and travail. Amen. For the souls of this city. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you, young men, that God's going to honor that. That God's going to use you. He's going to use your cry. He's going to hear your plea. Kaiser, God's listening. Amen. To every prayer that you pray. Hallelujah. One of these days, if you keep it up, amen, you're going to reach a place and God's going to say, well done. Amen. My good and faithful servant, enter in into the joy of the Lord. Amen. I don't know about you, child of God, but that's my primary and foremost desire. I want to do well. I want to do what's right. I want to do what God calls me to do. I don't care what comes and I don't care what goes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. I want to hear well done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So these men weren't looking to this man as a spiritual leader at all. Amen. Amen. But they were just looking for counsel in that particular battle. And um, there's many times in the same period of time that they just took that, what they wanted, and the rest of it they just leave aside. And that got them by for a little while. Amen. But eventually it caught up with them. Syria wanted to take over Israel. And they sent a host of men to see to the city that Elisha was because they realized that Elisha is the reason that Israel's having so much success in their battles. And uh, so they thought Elisha was the leader. So they sent the host to the city of Elisha. And um, Elisha, in response to that, asked the Lord to blind those men. And then he redirected that whole group of men to the city of Samaria where uh, Jehoram was. And um, so, and to me, that was just a miracle. I mean, the man of God was in danger, literal physical danger. And God performed a miracle that day, and they redirected that group of men. And then the Bible says that the king of Syria um, wanted to take over Syria. I can't remember the exact uh, verbiage there, but... He, wanted, he set his eyes on towards Syria and decided that he wanted to take it. The Bible says that he besieged it and until a donkey's head was sold for four score pieces of silver. I don't know how long a time frame we're talking about here, but it was long enough for all of their uh, stored up goods and all of their things to either perish or be consumed. 
all of their animals to perish. I think one portion of the scripture says they had five horses in the city of Samaria. I mean, I don't know, but this was the capital of Israel, so I would imagine they probably started out with a lot more than five horses. So, but anyway, at the end of this time frame, the, the people, of the, the men of Syria had besieged the, the city of Samaria and put a chokehold on them, and they couldn't, they couldn't get any kind of uh, goods imported into Samaria. There was no way for them to get what they needed. And so uh, donkey's heads, which I can't imagine a lot of meat on a donkey's head, but it was sold for 80 pieces of silver. And uh, the dung of the doves were sold for five pieces of silver. I can't imagine there's a lot of nutrition in dove's dung. I don't know. I've never tried it. So uh, if anybody of you happen to do so, let me know, I guess. Amen. But um, five pieces of silver for dove's dung. Bad situation. Do you agree? I mean, this is, I mean, they... They were in a poor situation here. In fact, it got so bad. I want you to understand how bad this city was. They, two mothers conspired one day. We're going to take your child and uh, boil it, and we're going to consume that today. And then tomorrow, you're gonna, we're going to eat mine. I mean, two women made a decision of... Um, Consuming their children. That's, that's got to be a terrible situation. I saw Sister Goff just looking at Kaiser, but I don't think she was looking at him with any kind of uh, desire like that, and any kind of appetite like that. Probably more like a, kind of that kind of a look, but not, not, the one, not, the, not the one that these ladies were looking at their children. I mean, it's a, that's a messed up situation. It's a bad situation. And I would, Israel was not doing good at this point. They weren't doing good. They were in a bad, problematic situation. They needed help. And I believe that the reason that they were in this situation was because God was trying to get Jehoram and probably the people of Israel to come to him. You know why I think that? I'll, I'll tell you why. Good thing you're here because I could tell you why. That Jehoram, after as a result of this time frame, Jehoram and the people of God started blaming God and started blaming the prophet Elisha for the situation that they were in. So King Jehoram sent a messenger to the prophet and was ready to kill the prophet. He said, Be more so to me if this man has his head by this time, or, uh, if he's standing with his head on his, on his shoulders. I mean, it was just a, a he, he was upset. And so he sent a messenger and said, hey, go find this uh, Elisha dude and let's talk to him. And as soon as the messenger gets to where Elisha was, let's pick up there in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 32. Elisha sat in his house and the elders sat with him. The elders of Israel sat with him. And the king sent a man from before him. Uh, but ere the messenger came down, while the messenger came down, he said to the elders, see how this Son of a murderer has sent to take away mine head. Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not, this, is not the sound of his master's feet 
behind him. I'm telling you, Elisha had a connection with God. Elisha was in tune with what was going on. And while while he yet talked with them, the elders, behold, the messenger came down unto him, and he said, behold, this evil is of the Lord. The messenger says, this is not, this is something that God is doing to us. Why would God put us in this kind of a situation? Why would God put Samaria, his own people, into a situation like this? And I'm telling you tonight, the reason that this, God, this man and his king and everybody else may have been, that was associated with them believed this was because God was trying to get them to the very place that he was in the house of Elisha to ask for some direction, to ask for some help. Behold, this evil is of the Lord. What should I, what should I wait for the Lord any longer? Why should I wait around any longer? Hallelujah. God has a way of making us find our breaking point. God has a way of bringing us to our knees. Amen. And allowing us to, amen, find a place and say, God, I don't care what it takes. I want to do what you want me to do. Hallelujah. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? Why should I wait any longer? Verse 1. Then Elisha said, hear ye. This is why you should wait for the Lord, buddy. Hear ye the word of of the Lord tomorrow if you just come to the man of God promises are there if you just come to God fall on your knees and find a place of repentance God is there and he's available to you everything that they needed sister Riggin was just a short trip to the house of the man of God I'm telling you, everything that those people, I don't know how long they were in this situation, Pastor. Amen. But presumably it was a pretty long time. Amen. But if they had just, uh, I'm sure God was just waiting. He was just waiting, Brother Toby. I'm just, I'm ready to give them a miracle. Hallelujah. Man, I wonder. Pastor, I wonder. I wonder. What God has, uh, amen, in his mind for each of us tonight. I wonder, amen, what promises, uh, amen, that God has for the truth church of Olathe. Amen, if we just do what we already know we ought to be doing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is anybody going to help me tonight? Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Hey, buddy, whatever you're looking for, amen, it's in the gate of Samaria. I'm going to deliver it to you. Cart full, everything paid for, it's yours. All you got to do is make your way to the house of God. I said all you got to do is make your way to the house of God. I feel like I'm talking to somebody tonight. I feel like that somebody amen, is looking for answers. They're looking for help. They're looking for direction. And I want to tell you, it's in the house of God. Hallelujah. How many know that to be true? How many know, amen, when you were in Samaria, amen, choked out, amen, don't have any way of hope? And you said, preacher, whatever you tell me, I'm going to do it. Whatever you say, I'll do it. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what you ask me. I'm ready to do it. 
Hallelujah. 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 I'm talking about uh, doing well. I'm talking about doing what God has called us to do. I'm talking about that day when he looks on us and says, well done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we do well, when we do what he expects, you could be seated today. When you do what he calls us to do, I'm telling you, promises abound. I'm telling you, the reason that you struggle is because you're not doing what you want to do, what he wants you to do. Well, I, I got to be careful. I don't want to preach older than I am. <laughs> All right. He said it. There we go. Just kidding. I don't have that kind of experience yet, Pastor. We'll defer to the elders. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, those things that you struggle with, those things that, you, that you're burning with, I'm, I'm sure Jehoram was dealing with a lot of um, logistical, complicated issues. How do I get more donkey heads? I mean, can you imagine that that meeting in the palace? All right, buddy. Bible identified one of these men as being a, a guy that King leaned on. Maybe he called that guy in there and said, "Hey, why don't you go uh, around town and scoop up some uh, some doves' dunk." A lot of us have a problem with that being on our cars. Could you imagine paying for it? And putting it on your table. Uh, not doing pretty good. Not doing very good. Hallelujah. Amen. Finally, the king said, came to himself. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But finally decided, you know what? Whatever it takes. I just need to get the answer. I'm sick and tired of dealing with all these situations. So, so he went to Elisha. And so Elisha prophesied, said, by this time tomorrow, <laughs> I can't get away from this. How, I wonder how, how many of us, how, for how many of us, the answer is just waiting on us. Waiting on us to do what God wants us to do. Just waiting on us to get to that place that God wants us to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wonder how many of us, uh, God is just waiting so he can get you to that state where he's feeling like you're doing well. And then those promises will come. God has a way of just rewarding those that diligently seek him. God has a way of, of, of rewarding us as people of God for doing what he asks us to do. I'm trying to demonstrate that for you here tonight. Amen. When, when Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord tomorrow about this time, measure of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. One of the guys piped up and said, even if the windows of heaven were to open up, can this thing be? In other words, yeah, right. And so the preacher said, you're, you're going to see it, but you're not going to partake in it. Amen. But there were a few lepers, Pastor Hilton, that that were outside of town, who didn't even hear what the man of God said. Amen. But they, uh, they reasoned in their mind and said, you know what, if we go into the city, 
we're going to die. We go to the city where there's no food, there's no sustenance, we can't live there. Amen. But if we stay here as lepers or maybe they were having their own little famine of their own, we're going to die. So it seems to me that the risk is the smallest by going to the enemy's camp. If we go there, there's at least a slight possibility, Brother Kaiser, that we might live. There's a there's a the smallest chance that we could succeed in our efforts here. Hallelujah. Second Kings chapter seven verses three through nine says, and there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, we shall, we shall die there. If we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. Amen. And they rose up. Let me stop right here for a second. Because these men were just outcasts. Society had no interest in them whatsoever. They had no desire to be communicating with these men at all. These were the people that everybody looked down at. That, that by law they couldn't associate with. And, and uh, God chose to use these men. That God chose to use these men. God, God had a prophet come, come to the people of Samaria, or the messenger go to the prophet, and, and the prophet told him, by this time tomorrow, you're going to have this. Oh, yeah, okay, well, you know, we're a lot of, I mean, this is the capital of the nation of Israel, so I would imagine that we had the resources to do whatever we got to do to get this done. God said, I'm not using you. I don't need you, I don't need your resources. Resources. I've got the guys right at the gate waiting for me to say go. I'm, I'm wait, I've got a, a few guys, four guys to, to be exact, uh, that are ready to go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I'll get there more in just a little bit. But uh, So they rose up the day after the man of God prophesied. These men rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. There was, oh, somebody hear this. There was no man there. God had already gone before them and driven the enemy out of the camp. Hallelujah. I, I, can't, I can't fathom what these men were thinking. They, they walked into the host. They thought they were going to become captives. They thought that by going to the Syrians camp, we're just going to make ourselves, we're going to make ourselves prisoners, and then they're going to have to feed us. That's going to be their responsibility. Amen. But they didn't even imagine what God had in store for them. They didn't even know what God was trying to do. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, church, amen, that God has promises and gifts available to us. Amen. We cannot even imagine. Well, somebody hear this young, amen, inexperienced preacher tonight. I want to tell you that God has promises for you and for me. Amen. And you'll never even dream big enough. I said you won't dream big enough. Amen. You can't imagine what God has in store for you. 
Hallelujah. Yes, God wants to use you. Yes, God has a plan for you. Amen. But it's not what you're thinking. And it's not what you're planning. You just follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. And he'll take you to an empty camp full of gold and silver and raiment. More than you'll ever need. Somebody give the Lord some glory. Come on, somebody thank him. He's got promises. He's got gifts. Amen. All for us. Hallelujah. I said for you. For us outcasts. For us on the outskirts of the city. These guys weren't even in the king's palace. They weren't anywhere near the king. All they, they were the ones that everybody looked down their noses at as they went to and from on business for the king. These were the people that were stuck in the gate of the city of Samaria. And I want to tell you, by the time they were done with doing what God called them to do, amen, where did they go, Pastor? They went right back to the gate of the city of Samaria and brought the, the they went to a place, amen, that they were familiar with. God led them exactly back to the same place, amen, where they were, were before. Amen, I'm telling you tonight, God has something in store for the truth, church. I can't get this off my heart. I can't express this well enough. I'm telling you, young men. I'm telling you, young ladies. I'm telling you, moms and dads. I'm telling you, elders. And, and I'm telling every child amen, of the truth church, you ought to understand that God has a calling for you. Hallelujah. God has a calling, a distinct purpose, a plan. This is not a mistake. This is not an accident. You're not here by chance. God put you at the gate of the city for a purpose. God, let's give the Lord some thanks tonight. I feel the Holy Ghost working. Jesus. You can stay where you are, or you could go into the city, amen, but things aren't really going to change, amen. But if you step out of your comfort zone and go into the enemy's camp, hallelujah, I don't know what God has in store, but it's better than what you think. Verse 5, he says, they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians, and when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp, of Syria, behold, there was no man there, for the Lord had made the host. They didn't have a chance. They didn't have a choice. The Lord, the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses. We only had five. How did this happen? God. Hey, he knows what he's doing. Even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they rose and fled in the twilight, left their tents. And there was horse and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers, I like how the Bible puts this, they 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 get out there 
and they're working. They come to the camp, and God's already done the miracle. Amen. It's already there. It's just literally sitting there waiting on them to walk in and pick it up. It's just amazing. And then the Bible says, yeah, and then the lepers kind of waltzed on in there. Kind of reminded us of what kind of men he's using here. It wasn't because of these lepers, Brother Goff. It wasn't because of their skill or talent or ability. It's because God wanted to show Jehoram and the people of Samaria that he could take care of them. All they had to do is make their way to the house of God. And so God said, I don't, I don't need your, I need a few lepers. All I need is a vessel. All I need, no matter how marred, no matter how much, hear, somebody hear me tonight. God's looking for people here in the true church, amen, to go out into the city of Olathe and pick up what's already laying there waiting for us. Hey, I'm going to say that again. God's waiting on you and me. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. God is waiting on me, amen, to get up out of my comfort zone, out of my gate, and walk across this area, amen, and go into the enemy's camp and pick up the miracle he's already got laying on the ground. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I said one, amen, so we read on, we get to our text. When these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thin silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, we do not well. Everybody say, we do not well. We do not well if we bury this. We do not well if we keep this to ourselves. We do not well, amen, if we are just going to put this in our own little tent and, and keep it to ourselves. But, but what is well? What does well? What, how do we do what God calls us to do? I'm going to tell you tonight, amen, they do not well if they bury it. Amen, this day is a day of good tidings. Amen, well done. Amen, today we hold if we, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, the mystery will come upon us now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household amen that's doing well that's what God wanted them to do he didn't want them just to go and live in the Syrians camp but he wanted them to take that gold and take that silver and take that raiment and take that goods amen and take it to back to the king of Samaria Hallelujah. Church, we do not well if we just hold, amen, the bread of life. We do not well if we just hold, amen, the water, amen, this life-giving water. Amen, we do not well if we keep it to ourselves, amen. But what, was, what will make us well, what will make us do what God is calling us to do is if we get outside of this camp and go, amen, back to our city, amen, and go back to those who God has called us to. Go to the ones who are hungry. Go to the ones that are thirsty. Go to the ones that are in need. Hallelujah. Amen. Then we'll hear, amen, those words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. 
Hey, I want to tell you, I mean, some of us are doing good. I mean, Brother Joshua, those are beautiful designs that you've got for Easter. I mean, church family, I think I don't want to spoil the, uh, the deal, but we reached a lot of people in this previous week. Uh, I mean, some, some are doing well. Amen, Pastor, we had several, several people on the Bible study. Amen, on Wednesday night, Brother, Brother Nelson's been teaching a Bible study on Wednesday nights. Uh, amen, some of us, some are doing very well, and I want to encourage you. Uh, Amen, myself and others tonight, amen, to do more. Amen, let's do better. Let's go higher. Amen, let's reach more. Amen, there's more. Amen, there's more out there. God's laid it out there. He's ready for us to come in and receive it. Hallelujah. Amen, let's talk to the Lord for a moment. Jesus, I'm asking you to give me grace tonight. Help me, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, church. Let's reach out to him. Come on, we've got a responsibility now. We've got a burden now. God's placed this on our shoulders. Let's ask him, amen, to anoint our lips, to anoint our hearts. Come on, let's talk to him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Said, amen, that... They went back to the king's house and they went back to the city of Samaria to share what they'd found. And um, oftentimes I think myself, I'll just use myself as an example because I know this has happened for me, that I think about people outside of the church as not, not as people of God. They're sinners. They're, they don't know the truth. They're lost, all these things. But I don't classify them as being people of God. Or people perhaps in God's household. Whatever other distinction I give them, it's not that sometimes. But as I was praying for this service tonight, I, I really feel like, and I, I think I'm, I, I, you have to forgive me, but a preacher recently in our pulpit, I don't remember who it was, but said that we've got to rearrange our thinking a little bit. And I believe the Lord has helped me to understand that. Because there are some folks out there that God has already placed a calling on. That God is already working on. And he already sees them as people in his household. Amen. The only thing that we have to do is go bring them. All we have to do is show them where the house is. We think because they're not in a three-button suit and a tie and slacks that they're not, that they don't have the gift of the Holy Ghost. But we've got to show them. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Come on, Brother Kaiser. We've got to show them. We've got to teach them why they need the Holy Ghost. We need to teach them who Jesus is. We do not well. I don't know about you, but I want to hear him say, well done. Whatever he's trusted me with, whatever he's put in my care, I want him to know that I'm doing my very best. I want him to know that I'm not cutting any corners. God, I'm giving you my all. I want to do well. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. 
Come on, we've got to tell the household of the king. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's waiting for. That's, that's the promise that he's given to them. Church, do you realize that you are a part of his promise? You're a part of the promise that he has. I wonder how many are waiting on that answer. Just like we, we have our own problems. We have our own situations. And we come to church and we know where the house of God is. We know how to get our answer. How many out there don't? But they're just lost. They're wondering. They don't know what a relationship with God feels like. They don't know what it's like to have something burdening their hearts. And, 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 and they don't know what it's like to come to an altar and just uh, get up from that altar. And feel the liberty. And feel the peace of God. They don't know what that feels like. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to fast forward here a little bit. Second Kings chapter 7 verse 15. When they... Went after them unto Jordan. They went after, finally after they had told the king and the people at the king's palace that Syria was open. I mean, the, I mean, the camp of Syria was open. That they could go out there and pick the stuff up. Well, the king had some questions. They had clarifying, whatever. Finally, when they validated that it truly was ready, lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels. That was the evidence that they were looking for after the Syrians had fled. Was the Syrians had cast away in their haste, and the messengers returned and told the king. Verse 16 says, and the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. Just like they had fought a battle, just like they had seized a nation. God, no blood was shed. God just used his tools and just, boom, here's what you need. What's the alternative here? How, how else could they have obtained these same spoils? Well, they could have tried to fight. They could have drawn the sword in their weakened state, and they probably would have been a massacre. But with the grace of God, hallelujah, it, it was by the power of God alone. It wasn't by these folks' might. Bible says it's not by our mind nor by our power, but by his spirit. If we can learn that, if we can understand that. I don't know how we could accomplish so much more, so much more effectively. I don't know how long a battle would have fought taken between Syria and this camp of, uh, uh, the camp of Syria and the city of Samaria. I don't know how long that would, but I'm sure it would have been longer than a single day. But God, in 24 hours, twilight the next morning, boom, lepers are up. They're going. Going to find the promise of God. Boom, let's go back. We're not doing well. And before, amen, before the time, the, before the time had passed the, that the prophet had said, the answer was in the city of Samaria. That's because they learned how to use, that, that's because the lepers responded to the prompting of God. That's because they did well. That's because they did what God asked them to do. Hallelujah. Amen. I've got another story for you here tonight and 747, so I've got a little bit of time here. Second Kings chapter, <clears throat> Second Kings chapter 9, just a couple of chapters later, verse 1. 
man by the name of Jehu. Elisha the prophet called one of the children of the prophets and said unto him, Gird up thy loins and take this box of all thine hand and go to Ramath-Gilead. And when thou comest thither, look out there, Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, and go in and make him arise up from among his brethren. Carry him to an inner chamber. Then take the box of oil and pour it on his head and say, Thus saith the Lord, I have anointed thee king over Israel. Wow, what a promotion. What would have happened if he didn't come out from among his brethren? He said, I want you to come thither. Look out there, Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat, son of Nimshi, and go and make him arise up from among his brethren. And then he said, tell him this, that you're going to be the king of Israel. Then open the door and flee and tarry not. Run away. So the young men, uh, so the young men, even the young man, the prophet, the young man, even the young man, the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead. And when he, when he came, behold, the captains of the host were sitting. He said, I have an errand to thee, O captain. Jehu said unto which of all us? And he said to thee, O captain, and he arose and went into the house, and he poured the oil on his hand, his head, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed thee king over the people of Israel, even over uh, of the Lord, even over Israel. And thou shalt smite the house of Ahab, thy master. I want you to pay attention to these details that the man's giving him. That I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets. And the blood of the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish. And I will cut off from Ahab him that pisseth against the wall. And him that is shut up and left in Israel. And I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam the son of Nabat. And like the house of Baasha the son of Ahijah. And the dogs, that shall, and the dogs shall eat Jezebel in the portion of Jezreel. And there shall be none to bury her. And he opened the door and fled. Then Jehu came. I want you to notice what happened. Everything that God commanded this prophet to do, the son of this prophet to do, he did it to the letter. Everything. To the point of when he said, when you get done saying what you got to say, get up and flee. That's kind of an odd thing to say to a man when you're finished talking to him. Be like, I mean, just standing there talking to him and turn around and run away. It's like, so I don't know, I don't know what Jehu might have been thinking at that time, but the man wasn't concerned about that. He was just doing what the prophet told him to do. And so um, then Jehu came forth, verse 11, to the servants of his Lord. And one said unto him, Is all well? Is all well? Wherefore came this mad fellow to thee? Why is he, what is this crazy guy doing? He said unto him, You know the man, his communication. And they said, It is false. Tell us now. And he said, Thus and thus spake he to me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I have anointed the king over Israel. Then they hasted and took every man his garment and put it under him on the top of the stairs and blew the trumpet saying, Jehu is king. I want to tell you why this man, why 
the prophet Elisha told him to turn around and run out the door as soon as he gave the message. I'm going to tell you why. Because Jehu had something inside of him that God saw. That anybody standing in his way was going to be bulldozed right over. And nothing was going to stop Jehu from doing what God had called him to do. God told him to go and avenge the blood that Ahab and Jezebel had shed. And Jehu saw this, I believe Jehu saw this as a prerequisite to getting what God had called him to be, the king of, of Israel. He hit the door. I, I'm telling you, it wasn't, like, it wasn't like the next hour. It wasn't like the next few days. Amen. Jehu took what God had told him, and without hesitation, they hasted, the Bible says, verse 13, and took every man his garment and put, him, put it under him on the top of the stairs and blew the trumpet, saying, Jehu is king. I want you to read with me in these next few verses of Scripture. I'm sorry for reading so much. I know that it sometimes gets boring, especially with me because I'm a terrible reader. But I want you to understand from the Scriptures, amen, the spirit and attitude that Jehu had as a direct result, amen, of what God had told him to do. Amen. Jehu was not messing around. He was not cutting any corners. Amen. When God gave him clear direction, amen, he was ready to do it to the letter of the law. Amen. And so in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 16, he says, So Jehu rode in a chariot and went to Je He didn't take the trail by foot. Amen. But he said, give me the fastest chariot. Amen. In the barn. I'm ready to hit the road. I've got something to do for the king. Amen. He went to Jezreel and to, for Joram laid there. Amen. He went directly to the descendant. Amen. Of the king that God said that we're going to avenge blood for. Amen. And, ah and Ahaziah, the king of Judah, was come down to see Joram. And there stood a watchman on the tower in, on the tower in Jezreel. And he spied the company of Jehu as he came and said, I see a company. Amen. And Joram said, take a horseman and send to meet him and let him say, is it peace? So there went one on horseback to meet him. Amen. Because there was no other way to catch up with Jehu. You weren't going to catch Jehu on foot. Amen. There was a horseman that got on his fastest steed. Amen. And took out out of the king's amen, house or out of the king's palace or the city of Samaria, wherever he went from. Amen. He went to see Joram. I mean, he went to see Jehu. Amen. And Jehu, he said, uh, thus saith the king, is it peace? And Jehu answered, what hast thou to do with peace? Turn thee. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. I'm telling you somebody, we've got to get to the attitude that Jehu has. Amen. When he tells us what we ought to be doing. Amen. We're not necessarily all like the lepers. I mean, the lepers didn't necessarily have specific direction as to what they ought to be doing. They just was doing. I mean, they were just they were just eager to see what God wanted them to do. But Jehu had a specific word and a specific direction. I mean, as do we, child of God. Amen. And so he said, "What are you even talking about? Peace? I'm not going to deal with you. Just get behind me. I mean, if you're going to join me, join me. If you're not, get away from me. I mean, and so the king saw what's taking place." And he sent another horseman. And then he said, is it peace, Jehu? And Jehu said, what is it? What is peace to you? Amen. You're not concerned about peace. You're there slaying the people of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I 
got to catch my breath here because uh, it's kind of hard to preach that like that Jehu guy. Just kidding. But um, Jehu, the second horseman, he came out and uh, sent out second horse, second on horseback, which came to them and said, Thus saith the king, Is it peace? Jehu answered, What hast thou to do with peace? Turn thee behind me. And the watchman told, saying, He came even unto them, and cometh not again. King, I don't know what's going on, but those guys that you're trying to send out to figure out what's going on, they keep getting right in line with him. They keep joining him. They keep getting, they fall right in lockstep with Jehu. There's something about it, church. If we can get the kind of zeal that Jehu has, it's contagious. It, Brother Joshua, amen, with those beautiful designs that you got, it makes me want to go hand a few out. It makes me want to go out into the city of Olathe and tell somebody about our Easter deal. I don't even know what we're doing on Easter, but I want to tell somebody to get here because their answers here is waiting. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want the attitude that, that Jehu had. Amen. These people keep falling in line with him. Amen. And they start doing, amen, not even realizing it, they're doing what God had called Jehu to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So and the watchman told him, saying, uh, the watchman told him, saying, he, he came even unto them and cometh not again. And the driving is, is, uh, like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nimshai. For he driveth furiously. For, and Joram said, make ready. And his chariot was made ready. And Joram, king of Israel, and Ahaziah, the king of Judah, went out, each in his chariot. And they went out against Jehu and met him in the portion of Naboth the Jezreelite. And it came to pass when Joram saw Jehu, he said, is it peace, Jehu? And he answered, what peace? Who's talking about peace? Why do you keep asking me about I'm not here to bring peace. I'm here to do what God called me to do. Amen. So long as the whoredoms of that mother Jezebel and her witchcraft are so many. Amen. Joram didn't know. Amen. That that was his last chariot ride. Amen. Joram didn't realize that he was going out to, to meet certain death because there was a man. Amen. That had the zeal of the house of God on him. Child of God, I want you to understand. Amen. That the burden, amen, that was bore on Jehu's shoulder, amen, was much more than just slaying a, a few people, but it was doing what God had called him to do. Jehu slayed Jehoram and Jezebel and 70 sons of Ahab. And he didn't stop there. Hallelujah. You read into the next chapter. Bible says, verse 26 of chapter 10, they brought forth the images of the house of Baal and burned them. I don't remember specifically God saying burn the idols. But there was something in Jehu. He said, I've got to get out there. I'm going to take care of the king's business. So he burned those statues of Baal. And they break down, in verse 27, the image of Baal. 
and break down the house of Baal and made it a drought house unto this day. Thus Jehu destroyed Baal. Jehu, by himself, presumably, with the help of God, destroyed Baal out of Israel. Hallelujah. My God. I wonder what could happen if somebody in this church got that kind of zeal. What kind of things live on in Olathe? What kind of situations live on in Lenexa? What kind of gods and spirits are out there that God is waiting for a Jehu just to get a hold of him and, and, and drive furiously with the intention of doing the work of God? Well, I didn't hear him tell me specifically to go to Lenexa and knock doors. Well, Jehu wasn't told specifically to burn the idols of Baal. But he did it anyway. And on a side note, almost in passing, I said, yeah, by the way, Jehu's the one that destroyed Baal out of Israel. That was a big deal to God. Hallelujah. Jehu destroyed uh, the... uh, Baal out of Israel, verse 29, how be it from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who made Israel descend? Jehu departed not from after them to wit the golden calves that were in Bethel and that were in Dan. And the Lord said unto Jehu, because thou hast done well in executing that which is right in my eyes and hast done unto the house of Ahab according to all that was in mine heart, Thy children of the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. I'm telling you, God has promises for us if we would do well. If we are willing to step out of our comfort zone. I don't know how Jehu apparently had some kind of notoriety with his chariot driving. Because they recognized him. But, um, I mean, sometimes it kind of reminds me of Jehim when he pulls into the church party. It's like, oh, I don't even have to know what car it is. It's like. That's Jaheim. I heard it whoom, right past my face. It's Jaheim. But, uh, so maybe Brother Jaheim has a little bit of that Jehu in him. I don't know. Hallelujah. But I want you to understand, this is not just Old Testament examples. But Jesus himself. I mean, in John chapter 2, verse 13. I mean, we're getting ready to close here just a little bit. So, I mean, whatever you're going to preach. I mean, sing. Uh. Probably ought to start working on that, you know, because I'm sorry. I've given you guys a terrible uh, message to be able to figure out a song to play. So good luck. I'll be praying for you guys. John chapter 2, verse 13 says, And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to, the Jeru- went up to Jerusalem, found in the temple those that sold oxen, sheep and doves, the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple. And the sheep and the oxen, and poured out the changers' money and overthrew them. Jesus was a little upset. He's like, this is not supposed to be in here, and this is not supposed to be in here, and this is not, this is not what the house of God is for. 
What we are here to do is to pray. God said my house shall be a house of prayer. My house shall be a house. He's looking for such to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what goes on in the house of God. Not the exchanging of money. Amen. Not the interest of building a business and being successful. That's not what the house of God is for. Amen. The house of God is there for the people who are lost. Amen. To be found. I don't want anybody to come into the house of God and see all this money flying around and feel like they're not worthy. I don't want anybody, amen, to come into the house of God, amen, and see this person and this person stuck up and in this clique and doing their own little thing over here. That's not what the house of God is for. This is not supposed, this is not, I don't want this in my house. I don't want this in my house. Jesus had a little bit of Jehu's attitude. Hallelujah. 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 Overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence. Make not my father's house and house of merchandise. You guys are perverting and Distorting the purpose. And the disciples remembered, the Bible says, that it is written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. <laughs> Something about Jesus' attitude that day. Woo! Kicked into those disciples and they were like, oh man, I better get to work. I remember they told Zilda, okay, let's go. Let's do something. Whew. We got to go reach another person. We got to knock on another. We got to reach. We got we to gotta share another post. We got we to gotta put another, another YouTube stream up. Out of whatever we're doing, whatever Jesus is doing, I want to be doing that. Whatever Jesus has got on his plate, whatever Jesus is calling me to do, I don't care what it is. I don't care where he's calling me. I'm ready to go. Amen. I want to have that Jehu attitude. Amen. If you're not with me, you're against me. If you're not with me, amen, if you have a problem with what I, all I'm trying to do is do what God is calling us to do. The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Hallelujah. In Mark chapter 7, verse 36, amen, gives us a perfect description of our perfect example. Amen. Mark chapter 7, verse 36, amen, if y'all want to come on up here whenever you're ready. Jesus charged them, and you can begin playing as soon as you get up here. Making sure there's no confusion. Okay, anyway. Mark chapter 7, verse 36, Jesus charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. Verse 37, and we're beyond measure astonished. Hallelujah. What, he, what I cut out of this passage of Scripture was that he just healed a deaf man. And I don't know that they, any of these people had just seen this before. Maybe this is a normal occurrence. I don't, I don't think so. But uh, the way they responded kind of tells me that it wasn't. They were beyond, they, and were beyond measure astonished. Saying, he, Jesus, hath done all things well. And he maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. He's a perfect example. Amen. If we could all stand here tonight. He's the one that we ought to look to. And we ought to compare ourselves. Paul tells us not to compare ourselves among ourselves because that's not wise. But it is wise for us to compare ourselves with Jesus. How many claim to be a Christian? That means that you want to be like Christ. And the Bible says that Jesus hath done all things well. All things. He doesn't, I mean, there are some days Jared cuts corners. There are some days that in my flesh, I'm just not quite like Jesus. In spite of what my mama tells me. Just kidding. She's actually pastor this afternoon called me a devil. Yeah. So I prayed this afternoon. I was like, God. <laughs> and Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. So I'm, I might have hope. All right. Thank you, Lord. I might be doing okay. No, I'm kidding. I don't want to just do okay, actually. I want to do well. When, it, when all the when all the money is cashed, when everything is done, when I put, I want God to look at me and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. In closing, I'm going to read this passage. Kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. Straightway took his journey. You know why he left right then? Because he trusted these people. He trusts us. He wants us to do his business. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them another five. Likewise, he that had received two, he also gained another two. He that had received one went and digged and the earth and didn't do very well. He buried it, hid his Lord's money. Verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought the other five talents, saying, Lord, thou hast delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done. A good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee a ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. I want you to understand that both of these servants, God had the same return of investment. We might look at these guys and think, well, number two is not as good as number five. He's not as profitable. That's not the way 
this guy was looking at. That's not the way God was looking. That's not the way this the master of this house was looking. He said, uh, "Yeah, I've got two more." And so, uh, verse twenty-three, the Lord, his Lord said unto him, "Well done." said, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou to the joy of thy Lord. When he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast sown, gathering where thou hast not destroyed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there is, uh, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap where I sow not and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money at least to the exchanges. And then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore that talent from him and give it unto them which hath ten talents for unto everyone that hath shall be given and he shall have abundance but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath and cast ye the unprofitable servant to outer darkness there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth even though the, even though the first two produce the same exact result not in quantity but in percentage they the, the, the third one the one that had the single talent had the capacity had the ability to produce the same exact result that the other two did and apparently the the Lord here the the man that was traveling to a far country he thought he could do it he took his own talent and gave it to him two of those men that day received the statement, well done. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I want to make sure I search my heart. I want to do everything I can. I don't want to bury what God has given to me. I don't want to put it in the ground. Because I know, after having read these stories tonight, that God will take what I have, what he's even given to me, and multiply it. God will help us do what he's called us to do. God will anoint us. God will give us grace. He's given us the Holy Ghost. We have no excuse. Lord, I know that you reap where you haven't sowed. You know why? Because he's got you and me to go out there work. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but these altars are open. I, I want to have a I want to have a spirit. I want to be in that state where God looks down and says, I like what he's doing. I'm going to bless what he's doing. I want I want to be doing well. If you feel that way tonight, why don't you join us tonight?